every child deserves a champion, an adult who'll never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and insists they become the best they can possibly be. Rita Pearson. For returning guests, welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for episode 225 with a case study from someone I've mentioned before on the podcast, Elizabeth Mercado from Ossining Union Free School District in New York, who you'll see is a strong force with a goal to support all students with the most comprehensive SEL plans that I've ever seen. I'll be sure to link her plans and resources in the show notes for you to access and use as you would like, since her goal is to help all of us move students forward with as much support as possible. This interview takes a look at SEL with an equity lens with clear examples of how to begin, what to do, and what SEL looks like in her district. I do love hearing how people around the globe are implementing the ideas we share with you on the podcast. It really does help me with new ideas and motivation. And Ellie Mercado, who's an assistant principal in Austin, New York, let me know that she was inspired by what she was learning to support her students and staff. Little did I know just how much she would inspire me with her story and thorough SEL plans that I think everyone in education could benefit from. You'll see in this interview that I made more connections with her story that I think is important to share with everyone here because just one piece of information or motivation can have a huge ripple effect on the world. Before we meet Elizabeth, I just want to tell you a bit about her. She's an immigrant student who came at 12 years old from the Dominican Republic without speaking English to a poor neighborhood in the South Bronx, living in a 1,500 square feet apartment with eight children, ages 12 and younger, and four adults, and experienced firsthand what it is to have challenges growing up outside of school and in school. This experience gave her an in-depth understanding of the impact of how our cultural, racial, ethnic, linguistic, and economic backgrounds can impact our learning. This is why she's passionate about being an educator and wants to create the best learning environments for her staff and students in the Austining community, where many of them come from a similar background. She believes that all students can be successful. She's a middle school and early childhood assistant principal for the last seven years and one year as an elementary early childhood assistant principal whose goal is to provide her students with a safe, trusting and nurturing learning environment where they feel included, respected, supported, recognizing that every student and staff member has unique strengths. She believes it's important to be intentional about all they do since everything makes a difference. The images on the walls that they see, the pictures in their books they read, the holidays that are recognized, accepting and celebrating all, promoting student agency, voice, and choice is all critical so students feel that they belong. I hope that Elizabeth's story inspires you, and you'll see it deeply moved me, whether you're working in a school or in some other capacity to think of where to begin when looking at SEL through an equity lens. Let's meet Elizabeth 
or Ellie Mercado. Welcome, Ellie. It's incredible to meet you finally after all the support that you've sent our way with our podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I am delighted to be here and, and for you to give me this opportunity to share my story and my experience and see how I can help other educators all over the United States, all over the world. Oh, absolutely. Well, I've got to say, I'm so grateful that you reached out to us and shared your SEL implementation story with us. So I've never actually seen someone implementing SEL so comprehensively. And, and you know, I've been doing this work for quite some time. And when I came across your presentation as to how you're implementing at Austin in, in New York, I just thought I've got to have you on and share because you can break it down for everyone who looks at it and says, I don't know where to begin, right? Have you heard that a lot? Yes, I have heard that a lot because it, it is a lot of work and there's so many areas that we can touch. But I, I always tell people that even if we can just make one little change or one little action, it's, it's a way of moving us forward. And you know a little bit of my story and, and one person really changed the trajectory of my life today, where I am today as a leader in education. Well, that's really when I listened to your story and it caught my eye, it was why I wanted you to share. And I've really got a leverage off of the emotions that I felt watching your presentation and hearing your story, because we you talk about implementing SEL with an equity lens. And your story shows exactly why SEL skills are so important in our schools and why we've got to transition these skills into the workplace. So can you begin with your why? And it's pretty powerful why you're so passionate about implementing SEL with this equity lens and share your story with all of us. Um, it's so important on so many different levels uh, for others to hear this. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, the why. Why? Um, I came to this country when I was a teenager um, and I came in, um, you know, facing all the like and I had to enjoy all the trauma that a lot of our students are facing today um, from, you know, um, being an immigrant coming in extreme poverty, homeless. We were four. Uh, my mom had four kids. I was the oldest. And then we moved in with another family. So there was eight of us in four adults, eight kids and four adults, me being the oldest one in of all the kids. Um, so facing extreme poverty and being an immigrant, not having a home, leaving, you know, the separation from my, from my parents. And my father didn't get a visa. So it was just the four kids and me coming into living with somebody else. The language barrier, not knowing the language and being in an unsafe environment in the South Bronx where violence, drugs and abuse and everything you don't want your child to be facing, I had to face. The cultural shock just coming into middle school and trying to hug and kiss my, my teacher and realizing like, that's what I did there. I can't do that here and feeling rejected about it. Um, the fear and the anxiety, you know, my mom like coming to this country and she was so unemotionally unavailable because she was trying to survive and, and not, um, she valued education, but she had to try to get like, you know, we need to get housing, we need to get food stamps, we need to get medical. So I was like staying with her to go to those appointments and to take care of all those things and um, and that fear and anxiety and, and, and also 
Um, one of the things I share, you know, I, I like to point out that the importance of educating our, our teachers about um, English language learners. When I came to this country, one of in one of my English classes, like this teacher, like um, wanted me to write a poem, and I, I worked really hard when I was a hardworking student in my country. So they asked me to write a poem and similes and metaphors, and I. I'm like, okay, first of all, look at home in the dictionary. What is the simile? What is the metaphor? Wrote it in Spanish and translated into English, then read it and, and trying to make it perfect just to come the next day all by myself while I didn't know they had they were gonna call me and say to read it in front of the class because I, I, I was able to understand more about my accent. I was too shy and I never speak, I don't speak. I didn't speak in public, so making me get up and going to the front, I was obedient. I just did it. Um, and not being able to, um, when I was trying to read it, she got behind my back trying to make me pronounce every single word and, and because they couldn't understand my accent. And the more I said it, the more she said it again, like, this is how you say it. Say it again. Say it again. And I just kept repeating and repeating and all the kids laughing and me like just drowning like I just can talk without an accent and um and and just the feeling of humiliation and the feeling of like why do my parents want to do this I know they say it's a better education here in a good life but I don't want to be humiliated um and and then after that I wanted to speak at all I didn't you know just trying to do my best and all of that um just because some some you know she didn't I guess she didn't know that we go through the silent period and and the accent is something that is, is still with me up to today um and being in a high school that was really unsafe at a lunchtime like I didn't have anybody to talk to and boys touching people inappropriately and and all of that, those are just some of the things that I had to go through and, and, and it was so, so challenging and, and hard and fearful that I just, it was tough, it was hard. Um, I, I'm grateful for, I did have a few things in my journey that were helpful and was one of my English language learners teachers. She, she um, when I went through high school, automatically they put me in the remedial courses. Back then it was RCT versus Regents Diploma. And, and, and she discovered in me, you know, Elizabeth is my real name, but Ellie can, can do better. She can handle the math classes, she can handle it. And they were like, no, no, she only has, you know, a few years in this country, she can't do that. And um, until she fought for me and I was able to be placed in re Regents courses and take AP math and AP Spanish and, and, um, and be in rigorous classes. Um, because she fought for me and 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 the Spanish teacher when I was uncomfortable going into lunch and recess because I was being bullish I asked can I just stay in your classroom because I was just so fearful and it was a choice of I just skip school and cut and leave or or I just have somebody where I could just stay safely here until I go to my next class so I wanted to graduate my mom had the dream of us going I was the first one to graduate college so for us going through all of that for a good education, I could not like just not go to school. I had like that guilt feeling of also being the oldest one, wanting to do the right thing, but also struggling, right? So she said, fine. So every day, you know, at lunchtime, I just stay in the back of her Spanish class doing my homework and just go to the next class because I was just so fearful of, of bullying and everything, all the unsafe things that were happening there. So, um, you know, just realizing that made me, made me, you know, think really hardly about how important social emotional learning through an equity learns and having 
our teachers and educators and people know where our kids are coming from and what they have to go through and what we can do to support them. So, you know, there are less kids, kids like me don't have to go through that. Um, that's my purpose. If I can share my story and share some ideas of what I think, um, not research based and also for my experience, like having just that one person that I trusted and believed in me and, and fought for me because I didn't have a voice and I didn't know better, but she knew that I was capable of and, 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 and with her help, I was able to get a full scholarship for my undergrad and graduate school. And, you know, today I'm a leader in education. So that's why my passion, that's why it, it comes from. And, and if I can do anything to help anybody help at least one child, um, um, I will be, that will be my, I guess my, 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 my calling, my, I did my job basically. There's so much in your story that hit me to the heart. Like um, I worked with Pearson Longman selling ESL programs for six years to the schools. That was where um, my husband and I met. Uh, he was an English language learner student himself. And so he did really well going into the classrooms. And when I was talking to teachers across the U.S., I never once came from the point of view that you just shared, how painful it is for the students. I would just come like, here's a book for your students coming, you know, have a look at it. But when I think about everything you just said, not fitting in, uh, the teachers really didn't know how to help you fit in either. All that you went were going through at home with trying to support your mom and translate and leaving class to translate for your mom at home. There was so much more to what I wish I knew when I was representing ESL books in our schools. So your story is so important. I just wish I heard it back when I was working with ESL teachers, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Thank you. So I also have my both my girls in a dual language Spanish program in Arizona. So they spent half their day um, learning Spanish. And I couldn't stop thinking about how powerful it would be to have a fluent Spanish speaker available for, for my girls, you know, or, you know, just thinking about what your experience why it wasn't embraced that you had this talent of being able to speak Spanish. So I was just thinking, I wish you had a different experience, although your experience got you to where you are, but I wish that someone had recognized the talent that you had and that it was an easier path for you. I think that's all I want to say. Yeah, no, and I, in, in my experience, I actually have helped us support some of the, the things we have in our system in our school currently in the sense we do have a dual language program and we not only pair up like um, students were like in the dual language program we have English speaking students like like your daughters and and Spanish speaking dominants like let's say if I was in that program which I wasn't I will be part of it and they will pair us up so I can be helpful to you know, a student like your daughter and your daughter can be helpful to me with the English and that part of it. So that's one of the buddy systems that we do. And we also have a buddy system with, um, with students when, when a newcomer comes in, and this is part of some of the things that we have created. Um, they will pair me up um, in, uh, with somebody that has been here maybe two years ahead of me, usually from the same culture, 
because that person basically can, and you know, has lunch and recess with me, usually from the same class. That way that person can, can support me, guide me through, navigate the system, the school, where to go and what to do. But at the same time, that person has to fresh in their mind how it feels to be just like a newcomer. So we, we have those two, um, those cohorts of, of um, those things in place to make sure we are um, they're supporting one another and using my language as an asset, not as a deficit, because that's another, 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 I mean, challenge that, that I noticed that why are we seeing another language as English language learn as a deficit instead of an asset, right? That's and, um, what I and, saw. Yeah, so we, we, we want to, we want to change that. Um, and, and I feel that um, having that, that buddy system with an English speaking and a Spanish speaking to support and also a newcomer with somebody that is a little bit further ahead that they know how I feel and at the same time they 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 have the knowledge of the system to to navigate and, and help me go through that. I think that's really important. That way you don't feel alone and isolated and, and you have someone that understands you. Oh, for sure. And then, so you had this experience and you went all the way through and where are you now in Austin? You're a principal, is that right? Right now I am like an assistant principal at an early childhood. I worked in the middle school for six years um, and I'm actually leading a summer program in July and I'm the summer school principal for my K through fifth um, program. Um, and I, I did um, have an undergraduate um, from of mathematics and um elementary education and, and also um, and from Columbia University by cultural bilingual uh, master's degree and a degree in um, district and school administration. So right now I'm leading, um, you know, this school, but I also I'm part of um, a lot of the social emotional learning, um, cultural of care committees and long term plan that our district is doing to not only um, to change, because a, a lot of people think it's just like the self-care and or just introducing the kids out of the competencies, self-awareness, relationship skill, all of that is important. But a lot of the times we need to, you know, change the things in the system and create a system that provides that structure for that to happen, right? Um, and that's some of the things that I'm going to be, you know, we're probably gonna be discussing the recommendations to some of the things that we can do to make that happen. And, you know, one of the things like in the past, we, you know, teach, especially in early childhood, like it's normal for them to be more nurturing and welcoming. What is your name? Where you come from? That's all part of the curriculum. But right now the, the system has changed where right now we have actually embedded in our, in our schedule community circle time where that, you know, that time in elementary, in, element, in the elementary schools, they do circle time or they do um, SEL work or they do breathing or calm classroom, some, some learning that has to do to support our students with the social emotional learning skills aligned to the New York State standards that are benchmark. And for the middle and high school, we have actually embedded advisory groups, which are like smaller groups that um, educators meet and they get to know those kids really, really well. And they become like the mentors and guiding them through the system. And something else that we have put into place is like having cohorts. Like let's say in middle school, you have a sixth grade AP, a sixth grade social worker and a sixth grade counselor. And when you come into sixth grade, they and definitely there's always like either Spanish speaking or, or two or three or the three of them that, that can communicate with the child. They go with you from sixth grade, seventh grade and eighth grade. So that way that they, 
we get to know the families and the child really, really well, instead of every year having like a new AP or a new a, uh, social worker or a new guidance counselor, because learning deep connections and deep relationships and building those relationships takes time and is so critical to this work. Definitely. Can you kind of bring us back to when it all began? Because I watched SEL come into our schools in the U.S. in wave, and I followed Linda Dusenberry from Castle, her collaborating states initiative from the very beginning, when there were only eight states that had SEL initiatives. And I remember watching her webinars thinking, I don't know why I'm watching this, but I'm taking notes to see which states were implementing. And so someone with the passion that you have, do you remember when it was beginning and how did you implement such a comprehensive program to where you are now? How did you go through the steps? I feel that our our district has always um, valued social emotional learning and building relationships, as I said to you, but also like, for example, like um, our population has changed and that's where equity lens come in. Um, like for example, I have some data in 2008, we had 40% of our students were white while 56% were Latinx or blacks. And this now in 2022 in February, we only have 90% whites and while 75% of our students are Latinx or blacks and 61% receive free and reduced lunch. Um, so in addition to the change of population with all the politics and racial changes and things that are happening in the world, the pandemic, um, and also, and and you see, uh, we know how depression, mental health, all these things are happening. Um, We realize we need to, we need to do more and we need to make a change. And we started, um, you know, a lot of the times we have so many initiatives and this curriculum and this and that and this, and we spread ourselves so thin that we don't focus on anything. And um, we did like a a big deep, um, like uh, we had someone like interview all the teachers and all the staff and realizing what was important and what they wanted to be three main focus. And after all, like a couple of years of that research done, we came up to with three long-term plans and one of them is cultural of care, social emotional learning. The other two is multiple literacy and relevant learning, but cultural of care being social emotional learning, it was one of them. It was just right, that work started right before the pandemic, right? Um, and I was part of the district, um, the district committee creating this, um, how would that's gonna look like for our students, for our community, for our staff, and, and what we needed to do about that. And, um, and part of it, you know, we, we focus on those six recommendations of, you know, professional learning, engaging parents and families, diversifying the workforce, wraparound services, rigorous curriculum, um, inclusive practices. And, and we started like educating all our, all our, you know, staff on restorative practices, and, you know, that way, which is a big part of social emotional learning when our students do make mistakes or they handle things the way it shouldn't be. How do we handle that? Do we get like, shouldn't be doing that? You get suspended go out there while they are getting, going to a home that the reason why they came in and just came in late and just when the teacher say, where's your work? And they didn't do the work and say, why again, get out of my classroom. And the kid might have said a word that we are not really supposed to be saying in school. And they, they get suspended. They don't know the story. 
that that child was like opened up all day long. The father was taken from the house and incarcerated. He couldn't sleep. He was trying to take care of the kid. This was happening and all of that. And the child was just trying to, and these stories are that I, we live and I, and I hear from our students. The child was just trying to show up to school after everything they have been through all night long, but after all the situations that are happening at home, they were just like putting on the book rack and just trying to show up. And that's how, as an educator, we, we do that. And um, in educating our, our staff, but also um, having them get to know each child and what they're going through to understand just the fact that the child showed up needs to be celebrated under those circumstances instead of that. And then if the kid gets suspended, what happens? It's a cycle. They're going to, instead of being in, at least in a safe environment in school and learning, that's just going to make things even worse. So um, these are some of the things that, um, that we have seen through the, you know, that we are more self-aware and, and everything around us is making us feel that now more than ever, we need to be intentional about social emotional learning. And we need to, Keep in mind everything that is going around the world. Like there's so many, you know, socioeconomics, you know, race and, and religion and, and all, all the things that are happening in addition to, to our children learning the skills to, to regulate themselves and to, um, and, and, you know, and to be, be in a place of that they feel safe and belong and, and they can be open to learning. Because as we know, when there's so much trauma, our brain doesn't develop the same way. And our learning, our kids are not open to learning. So what can we do so we can create that environment so our kids can be open to learning and exactly what we want, joy, learning, and, and growth, right? It reminds me a lot of Dr. Perry's work with you know understanding how the brain works. And when, when we interviewed him, he was with an educator that said, you know, as an educator, why don't I know this? And I remember standing in front of my class with behavioral students and thinking, what's wrong with these kids? They gave me a really bad bunch this year, like all blame, nothing, no responsibility on my part. And it's so different now that we understand how like my cortisol raises their cortisol, how it really matters what I think of them. And instead of thinking what's wrong with them, like what happened to them, and you must see that you know, in in your school a lot with with your students coming from different places, and then this understanding. But does everybody have this understanding? How do how do people get the training? Do you bring people in, or how would you make sure that if you saw me back in the day, and I was like. <laughs> You know, hey, th these students are really bad, like blaming the, the kid. What would you say to me? Would you send me somewhere off to Bruce Perry's <laughs> class? I think I think everything starts with also learning. We we need to educate our um provide learning to our educators and the staff because if you don't know, you're doing uh, like Madia, you're doing the best you can with what you have in the learning. So First of all, you know, raising the capacity and 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 educating our, our staff regarding trauma and how trauma and in, in the life of what our students are living at home, how that affects learning, how that affects behavior, and how how like your energy, right? And and if you're not regulating yourself well, it's gonna impact your students around you. 
Um, that's that's really important. So we have been, you know, doing a lot of work on on trauma informing how the brain works, and and that's one of the reasons I love your your podcast, neuroscience, and how the brain works and how that affects learning and 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 everything else involving education, and also um you know with equity and and inclusion, diversity, um educating our, our staff about that and having our staff learn the stories of our students. One of our PD recently was um was talking about immigration and we have two students that are currently in our district that were part of the students that were like um, thrown off the wall and like you know with that so we actually interview a mom and and you know without showing the face and share the stories and you see the staff crying when we share what what happened to those kids that are now there in our schools so sharing those stories is important and most important of all is also creating that environment for the staff um being in the in a psychological safe place because a lot of times we want to say okay you know Andrea, you need to create a psychological safe environment where your students are comfortable. You need to get to know them. If they're afraid or fearful or, or, or know their hopes and fears, but do I, as your leader, know that about you? Do I know what, what is boring you? Do I know that your son is sick at home and, and that you, you're trying to want to take care of your mom? That I don't know all of that. So it starts also with us as leaders providing that psychological safe environment with our staff and getting to know them and create creating those systems where we have that space one of my favorite things and sometimes we couldn't do it a lot because of the pandemic was um like a breakfast what's on your mind what's on your heart and we invited like our staff to come in and we had like you know donuts and goodies and and just to celebrate it some of them oh my daughter's getting married well yes what's going on or, or like i'm worried about how we're going to be able to have you know lunch everybody in there or this is happening, those are like the, the space for the staff to share that or doing community circles when there's conflict about what we're gonna do. And also having um, our staff, like one of the things I love the most about my work is um, in addition to going and being able to give feedback on instruction as an instructional leader is checking in with them. I, I like to have like check-ins, you know, how things are going, what's on your mind, what's on your heart, what are your fears, how do you, where do you see yourself in five years? And things like that, that way I can um, get to know them and where they are and see how I can be supportive. And, and I know, I like to know everybody's kids and everybody things that make everybody smile. Um, and, you know, I might be walking down the hallway and see Andrea with her head down. And then I say, Andrea, how's so-and-so? You, you know, you're a little kid. And all of a sudden you write up because you just for a minute, you are actually connecting to something that, that, that matters or like, you know, is your dad okay? I heard, you know, is everything okay? How things are going? How can I support you? Um, creating that for the staff so that way they see the importance of how they feel when their leader does that with them. Why is it important for them to do that with a kid? Modeling those behaviors, it's not just about telling people what to do, but model it. Um, you want to welcome an environment model that for, for for your children. I call my <laughs> my teachers my kids, um, and um, and that that's that's critical and that's so important. And sometimes that what we see we we need to do a lot of work in that area. You know, so much of what you've said resonated and brought back memories of of things you said in your presentation there because you talk about the safety of your students and you don't know their fears. 
And I remember when I came to the U.S., I came on an H-1B1 visa right before September 11th happened. And uh, the work that I came to do in the seminar industry wasn't possible. And so everything halted and every my fear was like, oh, I'm going to have to go back or I'm going to be kicked back. And but there's always that fear of being kicked back. You know, if I speed on the highway, am I going to get found out and back? And people don't know that unless they've experienced it themselves. Like, because I see people driving 95, all these people that, you know, don't have these fears. And I remember when I got my citizenship, I said to the guy next to me, what made you go forward and become a U.S. citizen? And he was a lawyer. And he said, I was just so afraid of being afraid. Mm. And I was like, this a lawyer sitting next to me. And so thinking about all the students in class, you don't know what stories they have in their head about, you know, someone's going to kick you back because you don't belong here. That's a when you talk about school safety, it goes deeper for someone who knows how that feels to not belong. Yeah. In our school, we have a really high population of Hispanics and immigrants. um, And um, and that's, that's especially, you know, big fear. We have we have had students thinking that like they worrying in school because they don't know if the parents are going to be somebody's going to knock on the door yeah. and the parents are going to be home. And, and they have, you know, they have shared that and a lot of times they don't apply or come to school thinking that if the, the parents think if they come to school for an appointment or to complete something, they're going to get in trouble and we're going to report it to yeah. immigration. All those things that for uh-huh. For an, uh, an American person, somebody who lives here, they have like no clue, oh, yeah. no clue. Like, you know what it is for for like a 12 or 13 year old kid or, or, or a little kid thinking like, is my mom going to be home? Is they going to send, send us back? If they send us back, are they sending her back and I stay here and I will have to stay with yeah. her? Like all those fears is, is, is like just anxious for us as adults, right? I yeah, can't even imagine as a child. Cause it's, it's insane. And it's a daily struggle that a lot of our, our students have every single day. Mm-hmm. Which is why it just brings me to my next question. We've all heard as an educator of Rita Pearson and her TED talk, every child deserves a champion, an adult that will never give up on them, who understands the power of the connection and insists they become the best they possibly can be. And, you know, when I saw your story, I thought, thank goodness that person helped you and was a champion for you. And that really is why I do the podcast. It's to share strategies so each of us can be the best we can be, no matter where we've come from. You know, every kid needs a champion. So did your district always have this vision of SEL through an equity lens? Or do you think that your influence and your story moved it forward light years? I mean, we do, we, like, as I shared before, the building relationship was there, but I feel like as a population have changed and in leaderships, everybody has been adding to it and we have become more intentional about learning about equity, learning about social and investing about it. Because also as a district, you know, let's say when you say cultural of care is gonna be a focus, you need to, how do you show you care? Put in the, the time, the money, the energy in that, you know, don't say you care about social emotional learning if you're not 
you know, providing those learning experiences for the for the school and educating the staff. So that has been, um, you know, um, happening and also having more platforms to share one of some stories like one of um, my one of my girls, I call her, her name is Anna He, which is like one of, I mean, I, I feel like I was her champion when I was a middle school principal. Now she's at the high school, but I still connect with her. When um, when she came in into to the country, um, we will always have a welcoming, you know, time though the guidance counselor and the AP meet with them. And and when my guidance counselor at that time didn't speak English, so I was, you know, doing the translation for her. But um, we spent like an hour, like she's saying to her, like, we, this is the, we have gym at this period. And I'm like, tienes, you know, educación física en este periodo, para adelante para atrás. Before we started the conversation, when I was taking her in, I'm like, you're going to be okay. Everything is going to be okay. In Spanish, I was just like you. I came to this country as a middle school. And I know sometimes it's scared, but I'm here. It's going to be okay. And you're in good hands. Okay. And she's like, okay. Okay, okay. So when after all of that conversation about classes and periods and what she had to do in the buses and all of that, and I'm back and forth speaking to her, um, like, you know, the guidance counselor said, do you have any questions? And, and, and I said, ¿Tienes alguna pregunta, Nahi? And she's like, Señora Mercado, ¿cómo aprendió inglés? ¿Cómo aprendió inglés? ¿Cómo aprendió inglés? All she was caring about, like her whole fear is like, how do you learn English, basically? And I just smiled and I said, little by little, everything is okay. And I show her where my office is. You can every day come in here. They would pay her up, like I said, with a buddy person to, to guide her through that. And I said, doesn't matter what time it is, you can come here. The secretary also speaks Spanish and I introduced her to a lot of people that she can connect with at every floor. And um, and she came every day. I met her mom. Her mom is a single mom. And she, you know, we had a meeting and she was struggling learning English. And I kind of, we connected her to get learning, you know, English classes. And even up to this day, um, I'm proud to say like, she's I think a junior now in, in high school. And um, we're running the summer program. And we have in the summer program, uh, a newcomer class for each grade, which is like a, a kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, sixth classes of newcomers, kids who have been here just for a few months. And she's volunteering to help with those classes. Oh. And, um, and she actually, this morning, emailed me, what time do I need to be there? Because I want her to be part of the orientation for teachers. And, and, and like she's right now, her story and, and her language is an asset to those newcomers that are coming in. And that's how we're trying to create leaders and show them, listen, you know, I was able to support you. Now you're able to support all these young kids who are coming in and, and are probably as afraid as we were before. And, and you can teach them and you can learn, you know, they can learn from you. So it, it's such a, 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 you know, a beautiful thing to be able to be part of that and seeing that and she's you know she got a job last year in the summer for a couple of weeks and I had to write her letter of recommendations she's like I need a letter of recommendation okay. so it's just like a connection like somebody that and that it really is so meaningful and 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 amazing to have a feeling that you can make you know make a difference in somebody's life and and my goal is like to pass it on you know and pass it on mm-hmm. Which is so incredible that you're sharing this on the podcast because there's many people around the world and that listen to this and can gain ideas and 
So this is your story and who you're helping. And then maybe someone takes some ideas and then it spreads and it snowballs, which is it's the exciting part of this. So we're kind of getting to the top of the hour and you've got a lot of recommendations. Can we maybe take one recommendation and just talk about how you would cover one of the, the six? And then I can put a link in the show notes for people that want to hear, like go deep dive into all of them, just because I know that it's already recorded out there. But what recommendation would be the top one that you hear educators want to talk about? And how would you begin that one in your school? Um, one, the, the six of them are really, really important. But one of the, the, the ones that I, I feel is that the importance of educating our, like the professional learning for our staff. Our staff need to be, have the capacity to, to be able to, to understand that and for the district to be able to provide that to understand how, why we need to, to create this environment for our kids, why deep connections matter, why, um, ec- you know, equity, equity and diversity and inclusion is important um, to, to and create those spaces for us to have those conversations and, and learning experiences so that way we can actually know where people are um, and, and being able to, to move forward. Um, all of them are important from the professional learning, engaging parents and families is also important because when we support the families, we're supporting the child. Like if I have somebody that was actually helping my mom translate or like some of the things that we have is like we have open door, which is a medical facility in like in the middle school and the high school. So kids can get their physical and everything while they're in school and parents don't have to pull them out and take them or, or, or neighbors link, which is one of our partners who, who helps with like paperwork, legal work, translation, and they provide like English classes to parents while at the same time babysitting for the kids while at the same time tutoring the, our students, um, that's also is going to support the child because the child is that those, it's not going to have all the responsibilities, let's say, for example, that I needed to have um, and making sure that that uh, we remove all those obstacles. Why are English language learners or our students of color have to not be part of rigorous coursework? Why can everybody be and we can actually give them the supports that they need? Um, if I well, if it wasn't for that Miss W because I can't her name was Miss Winderbaum I remember her um, if it wasn't for her I would just have taken a, a like a RCT and not a Regents diploma and have you know nobody else will have discovered that's what was expected so we need to make sure we know our students and um, and I I feel like also inclusive disciplines like learning about restorative practices in community circles because I feel that. We need to, why do we teach our kids how to do math, right? And if they make a mistake, no, this is what you do. How do, why do we teach our kids about history and social studies? We need to teach our children about behavior, about how to manage themselves, about what strategies to you. And that's all social emotional learning, what to do when they're upset, how to ask for help, how to take a deep breath. If I, I heard this somewhere, I can't remember, I'm, I'm, not, I'm trying to quote somebody, but if we teach our three and four or five-year-olds how to regulate themselves, um, we will not be having so many, you know, situations in middle school and high school and HR for us, right, for adults. Right. Right. Because we'll be able to handle those situations and making responsible decisions and, and deal with conflicts and 
having courageous conversations and difficult conversations that some adults are difficult having. But if we if we do that, like as they, as they are young, our world will be a different a different one, right? And another thing is like the wraparound services. We have a lot of resources out there, but how do we have all those resources come to our families? How how can we make it accessible for them? And it all starts with getting, you know, knowing what, what our family and our students need, right? And it comes from the educator that is right in front of that child. So all of them are really important. But even if you can just, I tell anybody, if you can just get to know one child and the family and see what you can do for that person, like that person said, you know, Ellie seems to be, can handle reading work. She can do this. And, and five for, for that person, I, I still today remember that. And today I'm able to, you know, share my knowledge and my practice and try to try to be that person to other students in my school and try to share like in this podcast or workshops that I'm, I had in the past and in the future and my teachers in schools and, and everyone, um, what a difference we can make. Deep connections matter. And, and, and even if it's one child that you can do that or one adult, because changing, you know, helping an adult, you're helping, you know, our students when the adults are able to be in a good place and they feel safe, they're going to bring out the best. And that way we can have our students, our staff and our students have the best possible learning environment to grow and, and reach the fullest potential. So all these resources that you shared with me when we were talking back and forth, the links to Austining, is that just for Austining or could other people access what you've done? I'm just curious. No, absolutely. The the one that I have shared with you with the presentation, anybody, because I actually create, um, put that presentation um, for, um, for that workshop and that workshop was people from all over New York State. So um, the, 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 the actual documents are, are my documents so I can share with everyone. Um, some things that are like related to asking have, you need to have the asking email, which, you know, um, that, you know, for this school, but I'm more than happy to share any of the resources that are there and you're more than happy to, to link it okay. if that's being helpful. And also the recording and anyone that has specific information, they can, you know, email me at emercado.asininufsd.org or follow me in Twitter. Um, I think I am emercadoap at emercadoap and I will be, um, you know, more than happy to provide um, all, all these things because I, you know, it, 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 takes, it takes time and energy to create a lot of this, you know, um, resources and ideas and, and activities to, to build community that we have done for the staff or, or, or you know, structures to follow to, to when we have in restorative, you know, circles with the staff. But I, I, I don't mind like showing it to somebody and say, hey, listen, this is what we did. Right. Use what you can change it and make it work for your school and your district because you know every school and district is a little different but if we all do that and we all share what we have I want people to share with me I'm just learning and growing and this is something I'm passionate about and if you share with me some ideas and I share with you some ideas I know we can um together we can actually make sure that our kids have the best best possible learning environment they can have Love it. I'll make sure I link everything in the bottom of the show notes. And 
Uh, you had some phenomenal feedback. Dr. James Ryan said, social emotional learning and equity, two of the most important issues facing educators today. And he was so thankful for the work that you're doing. Um, and, and there were many uh, stories like this of people. So I'm just so grateful that you had this chance to share with us. Um, are you doing any workshops? You mentioned to me beforehand, there's something coming up. Is that just for Austining or are there things that are for, the, for everybody that could, that we're interested? No, it's actually a regional leadership institute on July 11th. Um, and it's just going, we, I'm going to be, uh, the whole day is going to be related to social, emotional learning, cultural care, but every workshop is different. The one that I'm leading that day is about um, the, you know, building the community for the staff. Um, because a lot of times we think about like our self-care, which is, you know, eating right, exercising, sleep, because that way we can be ourselves. And then social, emotional learning, how to teach our kids all the you know, the strategies of, of, you know, problem solving and teamwork, relationship skills, self-awareness, but then the other part of creating in your learning environment, in your school, creating that, that healthy place and safe place for the staff so the staff can thrive. Um, my workshop is going to be focused a little bit more on that, but the rest of them, because it's a whole day of cultural care, um, they're going to be um, focusing on different and other parts. So I'm more than happy um, to, you know, and you can put it in the link. Anyone that wants to join is not just for us and it's for all the leaders and educators out there. Well, that's phenomenal. Is there anything, Ellie, that's important that I've missed? I know that um, you've covered a lot here. And when I watched your presentation and saw how you dove deep into the, your six recommendations, is there anything that I've left out that you think is important for us to leave with? I think we did, you know, cover a lot, but I, I do feel that um, together, if we, um, if we do this work together, we can make sure our students are not just surviving all the trauma that they are going through, but they can thrive um, and get stronger. And, and also sharing our stories, um, it's powerful. Um, that way we can see other people's perspective and help others understand where our kids come from. When we do that, we, we are able to make better choices and, and, and be more open to this work. Um, so I feel that if we all do a little bit, even I know sometimes it's overwhelming and it, it is a lot of work, but just one little thing that you can do today, whether that be getting to know another student, so saying good morning and welcoming someone else. I have a little wellness area by my office with lavender and gratitude cards and some food so that way when teachers come in i'm like come in here you need a break just how are you those little little things um can make a difference in the life of one person and that person like someone did it for me i hope i can share with many others um and and, and we can make a difference well, Ellie, I want to thank you so much for reaching out to me and sharing your story with all of us. What you've built with SEL with the lens of equity is something I've never seen before. And I hope that people can take a look at it and take away some pieces to use because 
you've really spent a lot of time with your district and there's such strength and power that comes from you and I know that's not what you felt all those years ago when you were standing in that English class and just couldn't find those words to read the poem. So I just am grateful that you found your way and that you're doing this modeling for all the others. I wanna thank you seriously from the bottom of my heart for the vulnerability that you've shown to share your story. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for listening to me and, and, I, 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 and for your time. I appreciate everyone and, and let's do this. We can do this. <laughs> you got it. Thanks so much, Ellie. My final thoughts. This episode hit me pretty hard on the emotional level that was obvious throughout, especially at the end. I had to step away from my desk to think about why. I know how important this work is, but there was something about Ellie's story that moved me deeply. After thinking about it for a while, I made the connection. We all know why we do what we do, and that's an important part of our self-awareness to keep us moving forward when times are difficult. Why I do what I do with this podcast is to lift up those students like Ellie, who needed encouragement to access her unlimited potential that we can see she has. Her story of reading that poem in class made me remember when I first saw the importance of these SEL skills before they were called this, and it was in the late 90s when I was working in the seminar industry, and I watched the speaker working with this group of 12 teens. If you've heard the story, you'll know why Ellie's background hit me on the emotional level. The moment I knew that SEL was going to be an important part of my future was when I saw these kids showcasing the skills they'd been learning, Things like how to improve their attitude and their mindset and how to set goals. And there was this one boy, Brian, who struggled to speak when it was his turn. And you couldn't blame him. He was on the stage at the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans in front of thousands of people. And the speaker went behind him and rubbed his back to calm him down so that he could get his words out. This moment is etched in stone for me as a pivotal moment in time. Imagine if Ellie had a teacher who helped and encouraged her when she was struggling with that poem. It only takes one person to skyrocket or champion a student, and I'm so glad that Ellie found her champion. That's why I spend the time to record these podcasts, hoping that maybe just one idea will help one student like Ellie to take her talents into the world with the strength and courage that she used to truly make an impact. If I was to ever end this podcast, and I don't plan on it, I'm just too curious to keep learning and sharing new ideas, but if I did, I would end it with this episode, as it does come full circle for me with why social and emotional skills are so important in our schools and workplaces today. Do you know your why or why you do what you do? While I know my why is just as clear as the day we launched this podcast, I know there's still so much more to explore and learn in the field of neuroscience, just like we saw with Dr. Jalal's episode on dreams. As new discoveries with the brain and learning are uncovered, I'd love to share them here so we can all access and use them in our life, and I'll stick to what I've always said. As long as listeners find these topics interesting, I'll continue to produce more episodes. And with that, I'll close out this episode, and we'll see you on Friday for this week's Brain Fact Friday, 
Well, we'll take a closer look at Dr. Jalal's work on the dreaming brain, which expanded my awareness beyond where it's ever been. I hope you've enjoyed this episode with Ellie Mercado. You can find all the links to follow her and her work and access her resources in the show notes. I'll see you on Friday. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 